Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast, the official podcast of GamingTrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by David Burdett. Hello there. And Noah Rigsby. Yo. In this podcast, we talk about the latest games we could get our hands on. We talk about games in our backlog we should have played a long time ago and games you absolutely need to play. We also squeeze in news. This week, David got to play Star Wars Jedi Survivor, but not only did he get to play it, he also got to review it. (laughs) Lucky man. Noah played some Horizon Burning Shores, and I got to play Crash Team Rumble, Street Fighter 6, and a little Overwatch community map that they just put in there so we'll talk about that as well so without further ado let's talk about star wars david take it away star wars been waiting for quite a while to play this one uh ever since i played fallen order absolutely fell in love with it and was just ready for whatever came next uh you know you kind of sit there and you're like ea please don't uh (laughs) ea please don't like I know you're not into single player. Please don't drop this. This is good. And thankfully, the sales were very good so that uh, EA was like, okay, there's money in this. And they kept going with it. Uh, The cool thing about them continuing to go with it is uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is it's a it's a perfect sequel. It really is there are. It's hard to put into words just everything that they do with it because everything is just really good. But the story, one of the things that they do really well, and they were already starting to do that at the end of Fallen Order because obviously you're kind of having to learn about Cal. You're having to, you're, you're picking up pieces of your crew as you go along and whatnot and, and forming these relationships. In this, you already have quite a few of those. You still have plenty of new ones to form. But the coolest thing is just the fact that everything is really well explored. Like you have not only a good narrative behind everything, but especially when you get to spend time with the different people. We all, everybody knows, according to the trailers, the main cast is back. So being able to spend time with this main cast again and just see the relationships that have developed uh, all the things that have gone on in this five year. I think it's a five year uh, change from fallen order to this. Uh, It's just, it's so great to see each of them and the relationship and how it's gone. But not only that, the, the actual characters themselves, all the people that are voicing these characters do a fantastic job. Uh, Cal uh, Cameron Monaghan, uh, I accidentally said Moynihan in the <laughs> review video because I've been watching Blue B- Bloods and Bridget Moynihan is in there, so it had that <laughs> on the brain. Uh, he's just such a fantastic part of this. Like his, you really feel this whole like, without giving away too much of it. Survivor obviously means you know he's gone through it. Like he's been going through a lot of different stuff and it's really on display right at the beginning of the game of just how Cal is just kind of holding on and he's beat up. He's kind of depressed with the way that he talks. He's still got that spark of hope there, but he ain't blowing on it. (laughs) So he, he just really does a great job of, putting that out there of, look, I am fighting tooth and nail to keep doing this. Um, 
and kind of has that reluctance of all I know is fighting against the dark side, fighting against evil. And I guess that's my place in all of this. (laughs) And it's just really well portrayed. Um, All the characters, like I said, very well portrayed. But the... (sighs) I'm not going to spoil a lot of story, but things just continue to get interesting. Uh, I, I like everything that they, they did with it. Uh, I really like the fact that the game opens up with a story so far to give you an idea of everything that happened in Fallen Order. <laughs> if you're like me and didn't have the time to go back and play Fallen Order again, it's kind of nice to get a little bit of a refresher on it. So that's nice. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting with Survivor is the way that they've upgraded things, uh, Cal doesn't, uh, a lot of games that you play, your character has something that happens that means crap. I have to upgrade everything all over again, which is just, it's just a trope in a lot of games. Uh, if anybody's ever played the God of war games before Kratos goes to hell in like every flipping game and has to suddenly regain everything. <laughs> everything he's he's done uh cal doesn't actually undergo that he's still he has all of his force powers all of his mechanics powers are right away in your arsenal in the sense of like wall running and stuff that you did have to learn uh remember in in fallen order everything is there so instead of leaning into that crutch of oh let's just take away stuff from cal it was hey he's flushed out add to what you already know and we're going to throw more and tougher enemies at you. Which is, <clears throat> it's so refreshing to play a game where you feel like the, you feel like the developers respect you. <laughs> They're like, we're not just going to go with this. We're going to be like, hey, you know what you're doing with Cal. You're going to have to do it better in this one. And I'm not saying that it's like dramatically harder to do, but there is a there were several times where I was just like, oh crap, I just I just died. <laughs> it was just a couple of hits. I just made a couple of wrong moves, uh, and just it was insta death. And so learning to build on his skills, so the ways they've done this, uh, they actually split up your skill tree, which I really like because in the first game, it was one single tree. You're just kind of upgrading things as you go. You can kind of go off on a couple of deviating paths, but it's just one go. This one, you've got several different tablets in your meditation spots so that you can choose, okay, I want to level this. I want to be better in this. So you have the opportunity to go in and be like, okay, I'm the first thing I'm like me. I focused on health (laughs) because I know I'm going to lose a lot of health. And just because my play style, I will get a little too reckless when I play a game like this and swing my lightsaber a couple more times than I should. (laughs) And you know how it goes. You suddenly get in that, uh, you get to that moment where you can't dodge (laughs) and, and you, you pay for it. (laughs) So I I like the fact that they, they kind of respect you with those options. They also changed up everything when they went with stances. Uh, it reminds me a bit of ghosts of Tsushima where, you had different stances that you used to fight certain enemies. And it's not necessarily the rock, paper, scissors that Ghost of Tsushima was. 
because you can still get your hits in. You can still do largely things with the sabers. It's just maybe you would have an easier time if you went and switched it up before you encountered the specific enemy. Um, Cause I noticed right off the bat, uh, one of the things I absolutely love is you get the Kylo Ren cross guard hilt uh, is is one of the stances that they have. And Saber's a bit longer, uh, one of the cooler things with it. And it's exactly so it's exactly what I've always said. You can ask Noah as soon as we talked about like Kylo's fighting style and everything is I was like, look, it's a cross. It's a cross guard. It's going to be slow, but it's going to be brutal. It's gonna. He's not. He's not looking to do the Anakin like force dash, quick cut kind of. He is just wailing on somebody until they give up. That's literally how they do it in Survivor. Like you, it takes longer to wind up with the saber, but the punishment that you can unleash on someone is a lot harder. Uh, not to mention the your block stance, your blocking stance to be able to block against projectile uh, against uh, lasers uh, that lasts longer. You actually have a lot; it can withstand that for longer, which makes sense. Uh, that you've got uh, the a you actually do get a blaster. It's uh, it was a pre-order bonus, so kind of ruined it for everybody. As <laughs> a different uh, different look to the blaster. Uh, the cool thing is you actually use that with your saber, and it's kind of a fencing like style uh, with the way that you attack. Uh, the only thing that's and I know I'm I'm arguing over realism in in Star Wars here, uh, but like to get more ammo, you have to hit people <laughs> with your lightsaber. <laughs> so it, it's a good it's a good game way of not making your blaster this thing that you just cheese where you just, okay, I'm going to sit on the cliff, shoot people and just wait until it recharges. Uh, it's, I have to attack <laughs> to, to get some of this back. Cause it is a pretty good, uh, like, like for the lesser enemies, it's single shot, but it's, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun thought. I haven't used it a lot. Uh, I, again, because I've not just, had a reason. So the nice thing is, is the game doesn't go out of its way to punish you for not using certain stances. Uh, but it's just cool. Cause you do have five total. You have the, the single blade, the dual blade. You had those most of fallen order. Uh, you've got the, the dual blade, which that is, it was just a, it was something that you did at the very end of the game in, in fallen order. So it wasn't something that was really explored the way it is here, uh, where, dual blade in this game is a lot more of a you're very quick with your s- strikes and you can do a lot more flurry of a, of strikes but you're opening yourself up to being hit a lot easier uh so just some some cool ways that they've come up with utilizing these stances but to make combat feel different because uh, i actually said it in our video review there's there's only a couple ways there's only there's not many ways to swing a lightsaber. You're, you're going to do a lot of that uh, one way. So the easiest way is to change up how you hand the lightsaber you actually have. And it's really cool to see <coughs> combat be able to expand 
even without giving you like the, there's no, I think you mentioned it on uh, when we were talking about fallen order that they don't go insane with these, all these combos or anything like that. That's, that's not what the game is about uh, with them going the more soulsy route. It's more about sh making the right strikes as opposed to did I press square five times and then hit triangle. <laughs> so it, it's cool to see them be able to find a way to make this thoughtful especially considering you are limited you, you unlike dark souls you don't have a bunch of different weapons you can pick up uh you are stuck with your trusty lightsaber which is awesome but has limitations if if they had decided to just stick with the variations they had it wouldn't work nearly as well as it does here um probably the next coolest thing cuz the the force is cool to use they I again I've not done everything with it but they've they they didn't go hardcore on let's give him a bunch of random force powers which again is something that I feel like it, you don't have to do that so it works fine but the what I really like is that they've really amped up the verticality and given you tools to use that verticality in the game uh every level that I've I've played has been these humongous backdrops. Uh, nothing is full on open world. Everything's semi open world. Uh, you actually have a hub world that you're kind of exploring. There's a story. Part of the narrative behind everything is that you're on this world and there's something there that you're having to figure out. Um, so you're going to be going to different areas in this bigger open world, uh, but you'll be heading off to other planets to figure things out for this main hub area that you're in. So it's a good way around doing just a full-on open-world game is, hey, here's an area that's got a big open space, but you've got to go to these other smaller areas in order to open up what you've got. <clears throat> um, the, the coolest thing is just, even though I was in that big open space and it's like, oh man, there's a lot of places I can go here. Even when I go to these smaller so to speak, more level-based areas, they really aren't that small. Most of them are pretty good-sized, and even if they're not, like, humongous, they've at least got the feel of being humongous. Like, the, the backdrops that you see as you're walking around these places, it, it feels like I've got a lot more space to work with. <clears throat> um, even when I'm on a linear path, it feels like there's a lot going on around me. So I know people like to overuse the term of, man, it really just feels alive. But Star Wars Jedi Survivor feels alive. Uh, it feels like these planets you're going to are just there. They're, they exist. They're, they're actually there. I've, I, you enjoy your time in them. They're very dense, very highly detailed. Uh, and like I mentioned with the verticality, I feel like that really opens up these levels a lot more than what we saw in fallen order. I feel like it was, it was, you could still go to some good spaces. Like they had just your different levels of, of where you were going, but it really feels like it's fully explored when you're, you know, jumping around a space station and climbing up these rails and, using your grappling hook to shoot up to this other area and hitting the zip lines and all of that. It just there, the 
exploration that is there is very good. Like that you have to, especially considering it's, it doesn't go on the, it's more like Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild in the sense of you're not, you know where you're supposed to go, but they don't just map out. This is the path you take. <laughs> There's no map HUD telling me to go a specific direction. Like it feels really good to explore and you have to make a game like that feel really good to explore. That's why Elden Ring works. That's why Breath of the Wild works because it's really fun to explore the world. You enjoy exploring the world and Survivor does a really good job of being like, here's this world, explore it. Because uh, there are different things on the side that some stuff is just as simple as, oh, I'm picking up a scroll, I'm picking up a data disk. Uh, other things are a little more heavy duty in the sense that you pick up, um, what is it? Other things are more like, oh, I'm grabbing uh, or I'm jumping into a force rift, I think is what the name it is, uh, or fracture, a fracture, that's what it is, uh, where you do like essentially a, a some sort of trial and you get get something out of it it's it's never anything huge but it's like man i getting off this beaten path and exploring it, it's actually worth my time um as well as the none of the collectibles that you get i know that collectathons people don't enjoy them but none of the collectibles feel like they go to waste either because if i go to look for that box it has a piece of customization in there for me like every time, like it's it's something like a, a a lightsaber handle for me to switch out or a different haircut, a different outfit, uh, different paint shades for BD, um, as well as if I pick up the data disc or pick up the scroll, there are specific vendors in the main hub area where I can spend those. Uh, even in going off into these uh, more wooded or floral areas, and getting seeds, which was something from Fallen Order that you could get and you could they would be planted automatically at the Mantis. There's actually a rooftop garden <laughs> on top of the bar that's your main hub area where you can actually go and plant all of these things yourself, like actually decorate kind of the top. And it's just cool to see all of this come together like these. Uh, especially when you're like, okay, the, this is, it's almost a really good example with just the seeds specifically of Fallen Order to Survivor because you had this thing that was a smaller idea and it became a bigger part of this game. And it feels like everything I'm doing in Survivor, it's these things that were in Fallen Order, but they made them into these bigger and more medium, more substantial things. As I'm playing through Survivor, uh, the the world, the story, the the gameplay of it, the the stances, the the going off and doing these other different things, like it, it just feels like it got bigger and better. And I mean, that's that's Star Wars Jedi Survivor is just it's it's bigger, it's better, it's it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, there there are some technical issues that I've had. I know there's a there's a lot of discourse right now online because. We're having that fun thing that I remember that happened when Days Gone came out where um, <laughs> we had uh, we actually had I, I didn't have a lot of issues, <laughs> but I knew a lot of other reviewers that had a bunch of technical issues and I played 
Survivor and I saw some screen tears. I saw some frame rate dips. Uh, but I mean, there's a lot of people saying, oh, there was crash here, that crash there, which if you want to roll footage, you can, Anthony. I can't do that no more. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but it it's one of those things of at least on my side of things, none of it took away from my enjoyment of the game, uh, especially considering it sounds like the day zero patch does fix a lot of things that has come through. Um, and obviously they're going to be working really hard to, to patch all these kind of things up. And I, I, which I hate that that's even par for the course, but you know, it, it, it's always interesting to look online and then have people like full on it's, that's why it's reviews are your experience because I've seen people saying, yeah, it's going to be rough for people. Cause Jedi Jedi Survivor is is there's there's moments where it's almost unplayable and I'm like, what are you talk about, man? My screen tore a couple times and <laughs> and I had some frame rate dips. I was fine, buddy. <laughs> I don't remember any time where that kept me from hitting a jump or anything. <laughs> uh, but it's it's pretty. It's it's awesome. I can use the force. I really like the fact that. There's just more Star Wars. I'm I'm just a big Star Wars nerd and love the games. And this is definitely one of the best games in the Star Wars franchise. Which, there are a lot of Star Wars games. <laughs> and there are a lot of bad Star Wars games. So it's nice to be playing some really, really good ones. All right, I got some questions for you. Go ahead, please. <laughs> Help me. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to drone on about. <laughs> well, I don't know how much you'll be able to drone on these questions. But since Cal can use all these lightsabers in different stances, is that a canon thing? Like, Are they, are they considering that canon? Because I'm not sure other Jedi have been able to... Uh, do all of this I, it this is a canon story so it it's fully canon everything that is happening um now have other jedi done it i don't know that there's really been any <laughs> myself uh i do know that uh there's at least going to be one jedi that has done all of these other things somewhere in stories uh, i've never heard of i've heard of everyone except the blaster one that's the only one where it was a bit I don't remember anybody doing that, but I mean, every other one, there's people that have had, I mean, Ahsoka uses two. I mean, uh, Ezra, you have, Ezra had a blaster too, right? His, his saber actually doubled as a blaster. Like it was kind of a way for him to, which he used, he used that kind of stuff all the time. But I think it was also the fact that, he was trying they were trying to hide from the empire so that was kind of a sneaky way for him to have his saber mm -hmm. with him and he didn't have to use it and he could sh not show that he was a jedi <laughs> which this right. one it's more that it which this one it's more that hey a friend gave you this blaster and was like hey if you've got to use this <laughs> it'd be better to have this and be in a scrape and need it than to not have it 
is right. kind of the way it's presented to you. And Cal, pretty much, it feels like he just kind of uses the saber around it. But Cal can use all of these is is my point. Like okay. He can switch to them. He right? can switch like, them. So so the way that they keep this from being too overpowered is you can only use two at once. Like you, you actually have to swap out these stances at meditation spots, depending on what you want to use. Right. So my question is, is that part of it canon? Like is Cal like this Jedi who can just go between these different stances? Cause I find that it, interesting. It is, I, it I, is I, now. It would, <laughs> it would raise the question to me, where does Cal rank among the Jedi, you know, in yeah. terms of being able to use lightsabers and Which, all that. The interesting thing is, is, and I guess the thing that kind of makes it believable when you think about a lot of star Wars is there are seven forms, I believe of lightsaber fighting. So not stances, but Mm. forms. And, uh, most Jedi would specialize in one, but I would assume that most of them at least knew basics of different ones because uh, I actually, I actually watched a, I was watching something uh, about clone wars. I believe it was, and it showed Maul, and Maul is an aggressive form. Like he he uses an aggressive form of lightsaber fighting, which it's Maul. It makes sense, uh, but he falls back in front of his brother in the Clone Wars series, and he adopts a defensive style of form. Like he suddenly just goes to a defensive form. So when I think about it in those terms. Cal's obviously his is a lot more intense in the sense of he's actually changing equipment. But when you think of it in the terms of, well, you're also learning all these forms and stuff, maybe that's just his way of doing different forms to a degree is he's using different pieces of equipment because he didn't go through all of the training, all these other Jedi did. So he's having to kind of work with what he gets so it, it, hey, if I get another way to use my lightsaber, I would prefer to do that. <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, all right, is the map the same? <clears throat> it is still Metroidvania esque, but I feel like it does flow better. Like with just the way that everything is put together. Like I said, the exploration feels good. Um, I feel like everything like I have not done a lot of backtracking so far because I've just been enjoying what I've been doing. I, I feel like you, the people who want to chase down every little thing are going to do that. But I, I've never felt like to a point where I'm feel like I'm backtracking a ton. Uh, the, for instance, uh, Kobo, the main hub world that you go to, uh, you backtrack to Kobo a lot, but when you go to Kobo, you go to a different place on Kobo you don't this isn't one of those things where I'm going back to the same area to go to a new uh chamber or something like that I'm actually going to a completely different area of Kobo to explore it to further myself in the story now can I say that that doesn't happen at some other point maybe no uh I couldn't say that for sure but Kobo is so large uh, I don't see that there's a lot of backtracking so that that is the good thing is you you really the only backtracking you do is because you want to explore the non-story elements which is 
that happens if you're playing open world games. <laughs> That's fascinating. Because obviously we're talking about Survivor. I've been playing Fallen Order. But one thing I have come to appreciate greatly about Fallen Order, one of the things was... Uh, at, le- at least, I wouldn't say I had a problem with, but I felt the the level traversal was pretty routine. Kind of the same things happening over and over in different ways a little bit. But I started to feel like I don't care because I'm going back to Zepho and now I'm in this different area and there's new stuff to explore and it feels cool. <laughs> um. It's so, just a bigger version of getting to explore more things in that area. Like, right, if you thought Zepho was big, this is even bigger. Sure, yeah, but what? <laughs> but I'm going back to that's part of the progression, right? It's not like a side quest type of thing. Like, I want to go there to explore more. That's part of the game. That's how Metroid is. It's part of the game, the whole backtracking aspect of it. What you're saying sounds like backtracking is not a part of it anymore you can actually go pretty linear and if you want to backtrack it's for extra stuff is that accurate it that it is more accurate yeah okay and and it's just because they have adopted like i said more of a semi-open world feel um with with these when you go to other worlds at least what i've played the other worlds are more like these singular levels that are big and huge and more like what it, it like playing a uh, Dathomir for instance, like in, or one of the, I'm trying to think of what the other planets were on fallen order. Uh, maybe that you might've played. Kashyyyk. Uh, Kashyyyk. It, they can feel a little close, closer to like something like Kashyyyk where, it's more of a, I'm going here for one time. Is that, like I said, it, the, I guess it's, Kobo is the new Zepho, I guess is the easiest way to put it, but you're going oh, yeah. to the same areas less because Kobo is so big. <clears throat> right. Yeah, I get that. Um, so do they not use like blocked pathways that you have to go back to to progress the story? I Not that I've really encountered. Okay. Interesting. So it, Interesting like, so that, that, that they went away from that. Yep. It's But there's still a lot of that there's cool stuff that you should go to here for, which is the, that's where the backtracking still there is. You still have the, Oh, I should go back here because this is still here. And I want to, I want to explore this area. Okay. Does BD one get all the previous upgrades from fallen order? Yep. All the, all the splicing and everything like that. So there wasn't uh, anything that, Honestly, there wasn't a lot that what was interesting with the splicing is sometimes Cal just hits it with his lightsaber and stuff. So it's not always BD and it's not just the same animation from BD every time it like they, they definitely went hard on that in this game of we want to do more. <laughs> so okay. that was cool to me that that's an option. Uh, one of the things that's in the game right away, and I think it's super awesome, uh, New Game Plus is immediately available Interesting. for, for this. Mm-hmm. So they went ahead and made sure that was in the game already. And even cooler, there are specific rewards for completing New Game Plus. Like there Ooh, are specific... That was a nice little... There's, oh, I love <laughs> them, man. I love it, man. Uh, they have... 
uh, different customization that you get, as well as certain perks that exist only in New Game Plus. Which that's a whole system I ha- I didn't even mention is they've got a they've also got a perk system that uh, you've got three slots. I can't remember if you can actually upgrade it past three, but you have different perks that pop up, and some of them will take like two slots. Some of them might take one slot. Some of them might take all three. Uh, and it just depends on what, like, I've got one that's all, that's three slots. <clears throat> um, yeah, that was really cool throwing the doubles, <laughs> the <Yeah>. dual blade. <laughs> I said, the game is just so cool. <laughs> um, but the, with the perks, you can, like, for instance, I had, I had one equipped where I, I forget if it was a percentage, but my, the damage on my throne saber went up. But it took all three slots, so I couldn't take advantage of any other perks. Um, and as you go through the game and find more perks, like, you know, I might find something that's more useful. Or maybe I might encounter an enemy that it might be more useful for me to have a different perk. And the perks, just like the stances, are interchangeable at the meditation spots. So it's this kind of game of chess that you can play with okay well i just died to this guy maybe if i use this perk and then this lightsaber stance i might find a better chance okay that's all i got man i i'm i i feel conflicted over here because (laughs) i i want to ask questions but i also am wanting to go in as blind as possible um (laughs) once we get done recording this i'm gonna go deep into the the survivor um like i actually have my little notepad window over the gameplay because i'm trying to be as blind <laughs> as possible and so it's it's hard coming up with questions that like don't give away anything for me um but also they can help other people who are intrigued well, by if it. i spoiled anything everything yeah. no uh so <laughs> um is the lightsaber customization back Oh, yes. Uh, and the cool thing is every color from Fallen Order is immediately available right from the start. Okay, cool. cool. So um, they've just, they just, again, they just kind of, it's like, this whole thing of Cal didn't, yeah, the the only thing I did notice right away is the custom is your, your customization, you don't have lightsaber, lightsaber parts right off the top. So you do have to find new parts if you want to customize, but colors, they, they went ahead and just were like, hey, have fun. Uh, okay. Which, but there's apparently still colors you can still find. So, um, so overall, like, I've seen we've seen some of the gameplay on on a whole or as a whole. Do you think that the enemy density is better in terms of like the amount of people you encounter in each yes. section? Because okay, yes, yes, it's improved. I, I, know uh, I know we've seen like a small selection here. I just don't know if it was kind of over the course of the game. Yeah. If it being on. Being on next gen only with PS5 and Xbox series along with uh, PCs obviously being better at this point, they, they've very much have been able to Im- improve the amount of enemies that can come at you at once, uh, which, which means you have to think about what you're doing more <laughs> often because you could... I, I can't tell you how many times I've been fighting and just all of a sudden a blaster bolt hits me because I just wasn't paying enough attention to know that there was another guy out there. <laughs> so um, one thing I will speak to uh, that 
if you are ready to if you're going to pick up survivor uh the platforming i just love like they just jumping around running on walls uh eventually you get a force dash which is it's the same as any other oh i double jump and then dash <laughs> it's yeah. it's the same kind of thing but it's just it's cool and the way that they use it in this specific area i'm not going to spoil it but there is a section it is like it can very much be platforming hell because of how quick you are having to make decisions as you see things happen. <laughs> but man, it's one of the best section. It's one of the best set pieces in the game. Like it's, it's absolutely incredible. Like it's, it's a jaw dropping moment. Uh, and it's, it's all based around platforming. It's actually not really based around fighting at all. Like it, it, you're actually just, it's mainly a platforming set piece and you get so little of those. Like I am somebody who I am a, I want big boss battles. I want bombastic boss battles. That is something that I have been upset about. Uh, I was, I think I've probably talked, talked to you about Noah back when we were at GameStop about how so many games were just, you get to the end boss and it's like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> Cause I just beat him up mm -hmm. in a couple of tries and it's just not fun. Uh, good boss battles are not always are tough to find. And when you get a, it's kind of a boss battle, but it's a platforming boss battle. Like everything you are doing is platforming in this section. And it's like, this is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> it, it stands out. So it's, it's just really good. And it's actually decently early in the game. Yeah, that, I mean, that pretty much sums up. Anthony covered a couple of the questions <laughs> that I had. So kind of double dipped there. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't wait. You can I haven't even finished Fallen Order, but <laughs> I got caught up on the story, so I know all the spoilers and everything that happens. So, yep, <laughs> I am, I'm eager. I'm eager to see how all of this improves. Um, would you? So one of the see one of the best sequels I think ever in video games is Pokemon Gold and Silver. It improved on everything. Pokemon Red did. Uh, red and blue. Would you say this does that? So I didn't play a lot of the old Pokemon games because <laughs> I didn't have, have the I'm devices for like, them. Conceptually, um, like con conceptually, I'll go with that. Uh, somebody, I think IGN referred to it as uh, Arkham City or Arkham Knight or not Arkham Knight, Arkham Asylum to Arkham City, and I fully agree with okay. that assessment. Okay, like. That, that it's the just everything is just really well upgraded. Uh, you can okay. tell that they sat down and they said, look, this all worked. How do we make it better? And like, like I said, to me, when you can take platforming and explore exploration to me, wasn't as intent. It wasn't as intense in the first game. Like it was good. It just wasn't as intense. I feel like they upgraded that here. Uh, the, platforming was there but it wasn't by any means this big set piece part of it it feels like it in this like there, there's a lot of it like it, you i spent you're gonna spend a lot of your time doing it <laughs> and it's fun it's it's fun it, it's almost puzzle like to a degree 
because you're you're having to almost think you're having to do these quick twitch okay this is how i get from point a to point b this is how i do this this is how i do this um which speaking i it's actually something i've really forgot to talk about and because i did the video review for us um the chambers that they have in the game are really cool because they're pretty much breath of the wild shrines so you have these little puzzle things to figure out but what was really neat was, and I don't know that all of them do them, but like the first one I remember doing, which I think we actually have the guide to solving it on Gaming Trend, uh, the YouTube, you actually go to, you go and do all this stuff and you get the upgrade, but there's still another chamber. <laughs> there's still this other spot that was locked and I had to figure out how to unlock it. And all it was, it was another box that gave me some customiz uh, customization option but I couldn't just leave the chamber <laughs> and not have the box. Oh, I had to have all of it. So it was like, okay, you finish. You got the main puzzle figured out. Here's the side puzzle. <laughs> it would be like going in into a shrine in Zelda, completing a puzzle, and then finding out there's still one piece of it that you have not put, fit, put together. So it's just little things like that are, are upgrades to me when you were just like, you, you're, you're, I'm enticed. That's really the biggest thing is I feel like everything I do in Survivor, I'm enticed to keep continue on. Uh, they do a very good job of just enticing me to continue to to try things, to do things, to figure things out. And I mean that that's a good that's a good video game. <laughs> I actually do have one more question now that I think about it. Yes, go ahead. The estimated playtime is about 40 hours, yes? Yes, that's the that's their estimated time. Is that a justified time? Does it feel like at any point it feels a little just bloated at or maybe it's slow at times? Uh, well, like I said, I feel like that if if you aren't as enticed by picking up certain things by explore like the exploration is fun enough to go and do it. Like that I keep talking about the freedom of exploration makes it fun. Um, like it's not just that. Oh, I went to get that box that had a new haircut for Ka uh, for for Cal in it. It was fun to figure out how to get there. Okay. Um, I feel like that's where it's a little bit different than your normal collectathon. Like I was not super excited playing Spider Man and chasing down pigeons. Uh, that was that to me was more the bloated this like, oh, I figured out how to get in here. Here is my reward for figuring that out. Uh, OK, I'm sure not everyone. Every one of those moments is as satisfying as the other. But sure. to me, a lot of them are. So I think that for the most part, they justify the 40 hours that you spend. Nice. All right. Well, that's Star Wars Jedi Survivor. 40 minutes of Star Wars Jedi Survivor. <laughs> it was worth it. It's I can't, it's a, I can't wait it's to play good, it, man. It's good. Yeah. It is I I should, I hope it's in the mail from Gamefly, so <laughs> I, I should be playing it pretty soon. Can't wait. All right. Well, I played the Street Fighter 6 demo. I don't have a PlayStation, so I had to wait a week. But it came out yesterday, <laughs> right? I think it came out yesterday. But I got to play it. And yeah, it was yesterday. Oh. Oh. 
It's good. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no, it's we're about good. to man, we're gonna lose Anthony in the month of June because Street Fighter <laughs> and Diablo are both coming out. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> right next to each other. Yeah, just oh it's so good. Um and it's it's simple. So it adds RPG elements. I'll start there. There are very simple RPG elements. Basically, you can do things to increase the strength of your character, increase the speed of your character, stamina, different things like that as you go along. I haven't gotten far enough in the demo yet to see those things, but I have seen those stats there and different things that point to, oh, okay, yeah, you will be able to upgrade your character in the game. So I, I'm sorry. I'm specifically talking about the world tour mode. That's basically what nobody has been able to see at this point. So they they opened up the, the little arcade mode that was in the betas. In this demo, you do get a a slice of the world tour mode. So you get to walk around on the streets. You have this custom character like mine on the screen. And you could go around and just fight everybody and once you initiate the fight you can get and, and you just go you get in the fight and it just says fight and you're and you're going and every person that you fight has a level above them so you know your level you can see mine in the upper right mine is level four this character i'm fighting is level three so you can see all that before you even engage with anybody there are most of the time at least in the demo you can choose who you fight. So if you see a level nine character, you don't have to fight them and they don't approach you. But there are scenarios, and I haven't seen it yet, but they have alluded to it at the point that I've played in the demo, that there are times where you will just get ambushed and you'll have to fight. And so it's very, it's very interesting in that way because you don't know what level they're at. Um, so the other interesting thing uh, and I'm just kind of just bouncing around at this point. I found, I realized that while you're in this kind of overworld fighting everybody thing, you're, as your stamina decreases, your HP, you actually don't regain it per fight. Hmm. So you have to manage your life as well. Now, there is a place you can go to restore your health. You have to pay for it, but there is a place you can go to restore your health. But they do make you think about how many fights you decide to take. So you could get into a situation like me. I'm just fighting everybody. I'm on the streets. I'm just like, hey, you got to level up. I'm fighting. So I'm just fighting everybody. But there was a point where I got ambushed and my health was a little bit low. And I, I won the fight. But if I were... At a different point in the game, and I was just fighting, and my health was low, and I didn't have anything to recover my health in time, I could get ambushed and lose. And there's actually a point in the demo uh, where you fight... Uh, what's his name? He's basically your coach. I forget his name already. I don't, Axel or so, <laughs> something like that. Um, and you have to fight him. <laughs> you know. And so I was already at low health, and I was like, okay, well... <laughs> And I died, and I was like, oh, frick, I, yeah, I didn't realize how low of health I am. And he's got, like, his full moveset. You do not. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a training lesson. But the point is, 
you do have to think about how many people you fight, how much health you have, how much money you have. So I like that. I like that distinction. They even have 2v2 fights. So hmm. at the beginning of this gameplay, there was a, another character with me. You fight with him and you'll fight two other people at the same time. So he's pulling off moves. These other characters are pulling off moves. And the dimension, like who's in the foreground and the background kind of changes often. I can't really tell like what determines like who's in front and back, but you can hit both of them at the same time. They can hit you at the same, you know, so that was, that was pretty interesting. I'm, I, I am interested to see how that expands as you get further into the game when it launches. But I mean, you could, you could customize your character with the, with the way they look. So there's that. Clothes do give you different stat boosts. So there's That's that. Cool. A very like Splatoon-like thing, um, which Splatoon isn't the game that like pioneered that, but most recently it is the game that does that. So you are fighting a mime. I am fighting a mime. So yeah, you can, you can, whoever's on the streets, you can pretty much, you can fight them. Um, there's a lot of people just walking around. If they got a level above them, that means you can fight them. Some people you could talk to instead of fighting them. I don't know if that does anything. Cause I was just like, I'm gonna fight everybody. <laughs> I am here to fight. What I found interesting was they start you off with modern controls, which these are kind of the shortcut version of Street Fighter controls. And I found that interesting because they're, they're really trying to bring new people along with the idea of Street Fighter and how technical it can get. And they're trying to slowly teach you. So you start with, you don't even start with all your abilities available. You start with three or four. And, the, and you unlock some as you go along. So you get used to feeling out this is, these are your moves currently. Play with them. Use them. Figure them out. Figure out combos. So they allow you some time to kind of make mistakes, figure out stuff that you like to use, figure out what works, different combinations. So I really like that. And really I think that's build your be- fighter into what you want them to be. Well, it's not, it's not even just that it's allowing you to figure out how to actually like play the game Mm. without feeling like not only do I have to figure out how to play the game, I have to learn how to press the buttons. (laughs) So that's, that's one of the reasons I really like the mortal mortal Kombat like nine, the reboot. I really like the story mode was they forced you to play as every character and you learned how to use each one of them <laughs> as you yeah, we, as you played. So this is kind of a natural, a really cool way to do that in this single player. Yeah the the slow progression of hey we'll let you get used to this, then we'll add something else. Now add that to your repertoire. It's a very I don't know for me when I'm getting into a fighting game for the first time, I do that a lot for myself. Yeah, you see, I'm just, I'm just fighting it, everybody. It, I know. It's just funny. Like this, this dude just walking to work and all of a sudden is like, and I challenge you to a duel. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's completely goofy. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I actually train myself. Like I will go into the, the training mode usually and I will, okay, what, she threw what her cell phone at you. I think it was a wrench, actually. <laughs> like some people throw wrenches. Some people throw Molotovs. That yeah, makes... I think she threw a Molotov right there. 
Why does this random lady who looks like she's going to be complaining at the pizza place next door have a Molotov? <laughs> hey, man, you know, I, I, I don't know. That was meant for the pizza place. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you just have a random. Yeah. No, this yeah. is actually really cool. Like as as someone who's not a fighting game player and is definitely more casual with it, like I would actually consider playing this. No, it's it's fantastic in that way. Like it, it, you can be as casual as you want. Yep. That's the nice thing. Or you can use it as a means to get better at the game and, you know, take yourself online and see what you can do. So uh, I just really like how natural they make things in terms of yeah. learning the process, how to learn. And you could switch to classic controls eventually. But I do like how they just, you know, hey, <laughs> we assume you're playing this mode. You're probably new. So let us help you get used to it, get used to how it feels, blocking, all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty good. I, my fighting is so weird because I'm like, they're not... The AI doesn't fight very natural. So I'm like, I feel like I could just get, you know, get off anything that I want, but I'm also like trying yeah. to plan for stuff that's not happening. So it's very clunky fighting. I'm not great at Street Fighter, but this looks very much clunkier than what I would actually do. Uh, I have but to put my Victrix to use, my controller that has the built in fight pad. Yeah, yeah, do that. Uh, the, yeah, it feels great. Graphics look good. Frame rates. Fantastic. It, it feels. That's important nah, for a fighting game. Yes. <laughs> it all, it all feels very smooth. It, I mean, it always has since the betas. So that that's never really been an issue, but yeah, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying this demo. So we, when the game comes out, I'm going to eat this up. Absolutely. So that's Street Fighter 6. Awesome. All right. Let me take this off. <laughs> what we got next? I think we got Horizon Burning Shores. Noah, yep. you yeah. have been Let's doing be, a thing. I'm going to let him talk a little bit more on this one. Since yeah, this is the one he it. played. Uh, yeah, that's... I, I am so happy that I wasn't having to review this. That way I could just enjoy <laughs> it, you know, without having to, like, you know, worry about know things of that nature um but yeah it's it's so good it's it's more of horizon which is all that i could ever ask for in a dlc for a game is just more of it um to me it didn't have to do anything like insane or crazy or change because that's you know they'll save that for the third game i i just wanted more horizon and that's noah how hard did this scene hit you I, dude, I teared up so bad. I'm like, bro, it's the first, like, I was like, oh, how do I, you know, how do I get to the burning shore yeah. per se? And then I get a call and I'm like, it's like he's there, you know, he's still here. Now, um, I'm not going to spoil anything. You played the epilogue, right? Yes. How hard did that hit you? <laughs> Afterwards, <laughs> I was just like, well, <laughs> you know, like, this is like, yeah, like I'm just like this is they for those listening, Lance Reddick is on is on the screen. That's yeah, that's that what's is. happening. As as yeah. silence from yeah. Horizon. Um Yeah, it's it's so good. He does such a good job. Uh 
both his performance and then Ashley's is Aloy. They do, they continue their phenomenal job. Um, so yeah, once it kind of, you have to, it picks up after the main story. So you have to complete the main story and then it boots you back, uh, to, you know, right before the, the main mission, you get a call. He's like, Hey, you know, there's another Zenith or, you know, if I'm assuming that people have played the game, if they haven't, they're basically the main antags of forbidden West. He's like, Hey, there's another one. You need to go to LA. Um, and so that's when you embark to the burning shores, which is LA, Flying there, I I cannot get over how gorgeous this game is. This is the prettiest next gen get game I, there yeah, is. I don't I don't think like. anything touches this like in terms of next gen on PS5. And there like, and there's no ray tracing in this engine. Like nothing. that's what blows yeah. me away is how good it looks and they don't have to have that. Like even your uh like how far out you can see and stuff, it doesn't, the render distance is on point. Nothing feels like it's being, you know, no corners are being cut. It just, it's a really nice um, and pretty decently sized area you can explore. I really liked, um, there's like different islands essentially um, that you can go to and explore Um, the Hollywood signs there. It's, you definitely tell that it's LA because there are some like entertainment signs and old billboards, digital billboards and stuff. So they, the, they definitely make it. Um, the first place that you end up next to is the, the, what is it? It's the theater. That's it, it's the Chinese theater. I think I'm right in it. Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's so. the one that everybody does. It's where they do a lot of the big premieres in LA. I just can't remember the name of it. And then once you get there, it's just, it doesn't like the, take its foot off the gas pedal in terms of consistently impressing me with visually how good it looks and plays. Um, my frames were on point the entire time. I didn't have any major issues. Um, they definitely talked about the, uh, the clouds, the, some of the tech they put in having the cloud system in and just flying around. It, it definitely looked and felt like you were flying through the air, through the sky um, with just the insane tech. Like that, what other game looks this pretty? Like what, what we're I, looking I, I, at yeah, on I the don't, screen. Like I said, I don't. Cause all of this is in engine. This is not just full on cutscene. This is actually in engine. It, and the, and the cutscenes, it's, it flows right into the gameplay and it, you can't really tell a difference. Like it's, it's in, it's so, an engine. <laughs> it's so crisp. Um, yeah. So you land in the burning shores and you meet some of the Quinn and you're trying to define this last Zenith and you know, you'll progress through the story. You'll meet um, some new characters. Some returning characters are also happen to be there because, you know, Easter eggs, <laughs> I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, I, it's just such a fun place to explore. Um, the, it won me over instantly. Um, or I would say about a third of the way through. Um, I found there is a park that reminds me of Jurassic Park. Like this entire, uh, I guess, LA, it reminded me of Jurassic Park. Um, 
like the lost world because you have everything grown up um with the shrubbery and trees and forestry but there's this big amusement park almost and it's a themed dinosaur park and just the little kid in me was so excited like oh it's a dinosaur theme you know park so won me over instantly with that so the nice thing is gameplay wise there's a couple of new additions but for the most part it plays just like forbidden west nothing crazy upgrades or changes there are some new skills um i didn't use them because to me the kit you that really i really don't have to do anything yeah the kit that i had what you've already was built so good um and the skills that I was so good. There is a new weapon, which I won't spoil. Um, it is pretty broken. Uh, there are some of the new. It's there. broken, but not OP though. That's the one thing I do appreciate. Like I, there's some. I, I thought it was pretty OP. It carried well, me through. I, uh, I'll be honest. I also was kind of under leveled when I played through, so that may oh, have been okay. part of it. Yeah, yeah, that I. I think it, there's like 10 new levels. I think max from Forbidden West was 50. It's six, and then this one's good. This one goes 60. to 60 and Burning Shores. Yeah. yeah. So um, there are a couple of new, uh, I guess, enemy types, if you want to call them that. Some new um, robots. Yeah. And it's so good. Like the... I actually really like the bile gut. I hate him because I they're tough, but I like them because the design is really cool. I like yeah, the the bile gut is basically like big bullfrogs and they can basically produce robot eggs of these little bugs that can swarm you at the same time while you're dealing with this giant frog hopping around everywhere. Um just spewing acid. Yeah, the the additions <laughs> is just the way they're able to, to come up with unique ways to bring animals into, you know, robotic versions of themselves. Uh, and they're ridiculously I, detailed. Like they, they all act different. You know, they have their own unique paths. Some of them are more aware than others. Some of them are, they just don't care unless you actually sneak up and touch them. You know, they, they just really don't care. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't, you know, bring anything new or unique interactions in terms of gameplay but it didn't need to it was already kind of perfect in my opinion with forbidden west i didn't need anything more so that was it was just more of good stuff and fun stuff um the the only other couple things that i wanted to touch up on is um and i'll be as vague as possible um storyline wise they do kind of introduce something to Aloy's character that hasn't really been there before. They do tease some things with um, another character that uh, at first I thought was kind of being it felt almost rushed uh, because with this character you're supposed to all of a sudden care about this character and kind of become invested in it and it's like bro we've known this character for five minutes, you know, and you're already trying to like tease this stuff. Um, but after completing the main storyline, I liked that the way they took it and I'm trying to be as vague as possible. Um, it wasn't as forceful or like purposefully placed 
as I thought it was. Um, so that really kind of kept it from being kind of a negative in my opinion. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say my opinion on it since it's from the review is that I, I felt like it was the emotions did not feel correct. And a lot of the interactions were rushed. That's, that was my opinion on it at playing through it. Yeah. And it's, especially with it being like a DLC too, you know, I think, cause Dave and I talked about it, you know, and it's some of these interactions and connections, it's kind of something that would normally take a full game to introduce and put in place and kind of let <laughs> flow naturally. And they're trying to do it in a DLC, which is not very, not very long. It's about 10 to 15 hours. So it's, it's, and still that's a good even chunk, if you add but... in the side stuff, cause you can really finish a lot of it in closer to eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not as much, um, extra stuff as I was anticipating. Uh, there's only one. It's not cauldron. dense. It's just right. <laughs> yeah. There, there's only one cauldron. Um, there are a couple of different, um, I guess side quests um, or extra stuff to do that kind of take place of a cauldron in my opinion um, that I actually was fine with. I was fine with only getting one cauldron. The cauldron was really well done. Um, that's kind of like the dungeons of horizon is this the cauldrons. Uh, yeah. There's, there's lots of extra little hidden goodies to find and explore. There's some callbacks to the first game. Um, there's a big callback to the first game actually. Um, as well as some teases for the third game um, that Which I'm they sure did just officially announced that they are working on very quietly. <laughs> I am sure that all of the, like I'll look up the data points if it's relevant to like the side missions, like if I need to look for something, um, but I don't go through and read every data entry log. And so the people who have, um, who go in and do that, the lore masters, they they will probably be able to kind of get a good idea of where we're going with the third one. They do tease some some ideas about a third one in terms of location. Um, but yeah, I it's just more Horizon. And, you know, I, I can't talk too much or too little about it because, like, I think the DLC was the perfect amount of content. It's just right. Yep, not too um, not too heavy, not too little. Since Noah didn't discuss it, uh, the one thing that was... So this was a PS5 only uh, DLC. This did not hit PS4. Uh, you do have a boss fight with one of the humongous uh, metal creatures that destroyed the world, essentially, that are as big as a mountain. That are that you see in the distance, you see all these things and whatnot. Uh, one of them gets turned on essentially, and that boss fight is amazing, uh, and, and and it's actually jaw dropping uh, when you are fighting it. Just the you're like, yeah, the, I see scale. why this is on. I see why the this scale, is only yeah. on PlayStation Five with all that is happening right now. Like you're the, running you, and. You're like, is that a mountain? No, no, that's what I'm fighting. Okay, I mean, cool. I'm I mean, <laughs> you le you legit fighting something that's a, a a skyscraper, and I know lots of games have found a way to do that. Uh, obviously, in stuff like God of War, you fought things similar, but it's been like that. You know, you run around on this little plateau while it fights you, 
and like slams its arm the arms down and stuff. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about with those kind of boss fights. No, this is like full. You are in the open, <laughs> open world, running around. Like so, this is it is just it. It's definitely the big set piece, and I'm almost surprised we did not see this as your set piece for. Uh, Forbidden West in general, but I guess you'd only be able to sell the game on PS5 if that were the case. Yep. The I would um, to kind of give you an idea, Anthony. It's almost comparable to like a raid boss, where there are actually mechanics and stuff that you kind of have to follow through. So, like a one-man raid boss, with just in terms of the scale, you know, where you're a, sure, yeah. you're a you're a very tiny character fighting a very big character. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I get it. Yeah, that is the size of a spaceship. Yeah, <laughs> that's no moon. Yep, that, it'd be like that's Luke no getting mountain. into an actual fight of a Death Star, <laughs> just out there with his lightsaber beating on it. <laughs> is that mountain getting closer? <laughs> I run. So, nothing but nothing but praise. Nice. Canada. That's where the next one's going to be. <laughs> eh? Exactly. No? Yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn, eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Horizon Frozen North, eh? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. We're catching on there. Michigan. That'll be the night. No, really. <laughs> Let's right. sink it into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Fill those great lakes. <laughs> Oh no, we're fighting the Detroit Lions. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> All right, Horizon Burning Shores. Glad you got good things to say about it. It, it looks fantastic. It really does. All right. Well, we've talked a lot about great games so far. So let's move into one I did not have a fantastic oh, oh time no. with. <laughs> what do you mean, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Anthony's about to be the boss of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> A- oh, Anthony God. is now the Horus fighting Aloy. <laughs> <laughs> Crash Team Rumble. All right. So the only reason why David and Noah are kind of like, oh, no, is <laughs> because apparently like the, the whole Internet did not like what I had to post on YouTube about Crash Team Rumble. Just, I, am the only I have who... no idea on that. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, you had to have some idea because apparently you 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 felt it. You felt it without even having to watch it. Um, no, I didn't like it. Um, which is okay. We have all have opinions, right? I, I thought that's what I thought. <laughs> We're all I allowed mean, to have opinions. Yeah. Apparently my, well, if you're subscribed strong. to the gaming train YouTube channel, if you're not, then you can't have an opinion. So, go okay. Subscribe. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, um, here's the thing. It's not that I didn't have any fun at all. I did have fun with it. Okay. I just, didn't end up liking it. That's the best way I could say it. That's just what it was. So Crash Team Rumble is a... I don't even know. It's a multiplayer game. To <laughs> simplify it, it's a multiplayer game. And the goal is to collect Wumper Fruit and put the Wumper Fruit in your team's uh, cash, I'll just call it, and score the most Wumper Fruit before the other team scores the most Wumper Fruit. And th- th- that's pretty much it. So characters have different roles and they do different 
moves to attack each other and, you know, try to claim ground and knock each other's Wumper Fruit out and overall just try to get more Wumper Fruit. Like, it's really a very simplistic game. You can gain map control by using different um, zone... I don't even know what to call them, but there's these things on the ground, pads on the ground that allow you to, you know, get a, become a beach ball and knock each other, knock somebody around. Uh, On this map that we're showing right now, you can enter a spike ball and damage people that way and move around faster. Um, There are entire map uh, ultimates, I'll call them, that allow your whole team to take advantage of it and just obliterate the other team. Um, it is not automatic, but, uh, yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's a very simple game and there's nothing wrong with that. My problem with it is, is that there's a lot of disparate parts to them. There's not a lot of cohesion with this. So in and of themselves, individual pieces of the game are fun. It's fun to attack people and, you know, run around, collect the Wumpa Fruit. The movement feels fantastic. Um, The combat feels fine. But the pieces that they've all added to it do not make for a interesting, long-lasting kind of competitive game. It feels like the legs on this are very short. It doesn't feel like it has the depth to be able to hold most people's attention for a long time. And part of that is just the lack of cohesion. So one of the things about this is that there are roles. There are three different roles. There is score, there is booster, and there is blockers. Okay, scorers score. They collect Wumper Fruit. They move fairly fast. They have good damage. You rely on them to score. The boosters... Those are the ones, there's these little keys around the map that help you unlock the different pads and get you different movesets and and whatnot and annoy people and damage people and whatnot. They also can unlock these gems, which are these usually platforms raised up in the air that if your team unlocks them all, it doubles the amount of Wumper Fruit, or not even doubles, but it multiplies the amount of Wumper Fruit you can add when you score, when your team scores, all right? So they're very good at doing that. Blockers are very good at attacking, knocking one per fruit out of your opponents, and generally being very annoying as, you know, the other team is trying to score. You can block them, make it really hard to do that. Um, the problem is there's a lot of confusion about how this goes. A lot of people have been saying, Those roles don't matter. They're soft roles. And I would say that's really confusing to people because if you're going to add roles, then it should impact how the game plays, but it doesn't. It doesn't at all. You can pretty much do whatever you want. You could ignore your role if you want and still have success. You are not readily rewarded for playing your role. That's part of the problem. And the weird thing is, You are rewarded by the game for playing your role because if you do that, so I'll pause it right here. Actually, 
So Coco, she's a booster. It says capture gems to boost your team scoring. Activate relic stations with double relic collection. If she does her role, her ultimate builds faster. Scores do the same thing. Their ultimate builds faster. Blockers, same thing. Their ultimate builds faster if you play your role. So there's an there's a reward for playing your role. There's an advantage for playing your role. But the game doesn't actually reward you for doing that because you don't have to. You can succeed without playing your role, which is completely not the point of having a role. Like you should have a role. And if you play your role, your team should be rewarded for playing that role. And if the others aren't playing their role, then the game should be that much harder. The game should be easier as people play their roles. But you Heck, don't have I mean, to. Soft roles in like, for instance, like playing Call of Duty, there are soft roles that you play when you're playing that, like when you're playing objective-based modes. I'll like, give you an even I'm, better example. <laughs> X-Defiant. X-Defiant. Yep. That's the perfect example of soft roles, right? One of my complaints is like there's no cohesion with the way these stuff works in X-Defiant. But that is because they are soft roles. You're yep. not, you know, somebody chooses the shield. That doesn't mean you necessarily need to follow them. That's for them, right? Could you get an advantage from doing that? Sure, maybe. But that takes extra coordination that the game's really not intending, right? This does that. And then at the same time is like, no, but if you play your role, you can do this better. So it, you see the confusion play out in the game. And so some people are playing the role, some people are not. And so it's, it's just chaotic in a bad way. The other part is compositions so you could literally you know pull a full team of all blockers if you want you don't want that because they're slow <laughs> and they're not really going to be able to collect wumper fruit fast but there's been plenty of times where it was like three scores no boosters and a tank you can have a it's a 4v4 so i've seen all scores have success and the scores are good enough to do blocking so it's almost like the roles are meaningless, even though there are roles, because you could pretty much compose what you want outside of all blockers and have success. So if you choose a composition, let's just say you go two blockers, one booster, and a blocker. The other team decides to go all scores. While you are playing the game, if you realize that the composition that you have has put you at a really bad advantage, just composition alone, there's no way to change it. Granted, matches are only three minutes long, you know, three, five, I would say three to 10 minutes, depending on how competitive it is. But you have zero way to change it. So you have to guess, okay, this is what I see. All right, based on what my team is playing, I'm going to choose this character. But you also now have to guess, all right, what's their team going to choose? And if you choose wrong, you could be on a, you could lose just based on the characters that you chose, right? So that is problematic at the end of the day. So what's going to end up happening is if more, if you choose the wrong characters, that means there's right characters to choose. And then everybody's going to end up choosing that composition like whatever the best composition is that is it so that way there is no wrong composition that you have to deal with so now granted i will say this 
there are more characters coming in the in the actual game. I'm not sure that problem will be solved with more characters. A, because the role stuff matters. And if the game plays like soft roles, but yet it rewards roles. So there's that problem. And then at the end of the day, whatever the best characters are, are going to win out for the compositions. And that's what everybody will end up choosing. There's not really like counters. Now, that was for the closed beta. Perhaps with more characters, if there are counters, then that will be less of a problem. But based on what I've seen, based on what they've demonstrated, it doesn't look like characters have counters. So those two things are the reason why I don't think this game is very good. Pure fun and chaos, it's there. I can see why people would have a blast playing it. I'm saying for the long term, this game has little legs because the fundamentals of it don't work. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's what my YouTube video is about. Now, I will <laughs> say I didn't go into that much detail on that front, but um, that is the detailed version of why I feel the way I feel about it. It's not that I want the game to fail. I don't want the game to fail. I actually want it to succeed. Because again, it, especially if you're playing with friends, oh, this game's a blast. Oh, absolutely. Because it's just so chaotic and goofy. Absolutely. But especially by yourself, whew, very rough. Very rough. Well, that's Crash Team Rumble. The other thing I played was... Oh, no. Do you want to say something? Like, I just had a quick quit. Like, from we, those of you watching the, the footage and stuff, um, it seemed like in that game, it was just everyone ignoring each other. Like, for being a multiplayer, there wasn't a lot of fighting from what I saw, aside from, like, that one section where everyone got, like, the little basketball-looking things. And, you know, there was some fighting there. But for the most part, it looks like everyone's kind of ignoring each other. I could be wrong, but that's just what I viewed. Was that kind of something that you thought of, like, with the way the modes were working? Or... So... That was one of the more competitive matches that I've played. Um, that was a very close match. It was going back and forth the whole time. I put that one up for that reason because it was, it was one of the best matches. I did have fun with it. But you are correct. Because the goal of the game is to collect Wumper Fruit, the only times you really engage in combat is if you're trying to fight over a pad or if you're trying to fight over the gems that double the booster, the booster score. After that, like once those things have been decided, it's just a mad rush to collect Wumper Fruit. You can engage in fights if you want to, you know, try to knock Wumper Fruit off of a person. But most of the time, the fights are either fighting for the pad, fighting for the gems, or keeping another player from scoring. That's, that's pretty much it. So there's not a lot of reason to engage any other way. So it's so strategy I feel like is not great either because it is just mad dash for Wumper Fruit. Yeah. And so like you saw me, like I didn't need to engage in it. Nobody was engaging yeah, you, you me. You ran so. the same path like the entire time. 
Yeah, because I'm like, why why would I need to engage? Like I I'm collecting wumper fruit. Like <laughs> like it's good. Now, I will say, perhaps if everybody just ignored each other, okay, then everybody would just collect wumper fruit, right? And just mad dash who wins. Great. So their idea is the gems, the pads, that's what you fight over. So that way, you know, you can get rewarded for multiplying your your uh, uh, Wumper Fruit collection. You put it in. So you want to fight over that, right? But while, you know, one or two people are fighting over and maybe somebody else is activating another gem pad over there and, you know, one of my other teammates is activating another gem pad there and then other people are going around collecting Wumper Fruit. I'm collecting Wumper Fruit, right? So, like, yeah. okay. I feel like... I feel like there might actually be too much happening. I feel like things need to be simplified in order to increase team fights and make those gems more about. So like there's three, there was three of them in that map. So you're fighting over one, but you could go activate another and another teammate could go activate, you know? So, and yeah, everybody can fight over those. That's fine. But if the goal is to collect Wumper Fruit, then yeah. So I like that you have to weigh the cost of making decisions. That is a decision-making thing. That's good. I just don't feel like those things are impactful enough to justify doing it all the time. I have won matches, several matches, where most of the time they had the multipli- multiplier so for their Wumper Fruit, but they still lost because they couldn't even put the Wumper Fruit in. So, like, we'd be collecting the Wumper Fruit. We'd be able to put it in. Sometimes they would try to stop us. They didn't. So they died, lost their Wumper Fruit. We score. We go get more. Maybe we activate the gems. Cool. So it's a lot of... I won't say there's zero strategy at all. But I just don't feel like it's deep enough to justify. If there were only, like, one station for gems, okay. Now there's tension. Right, you gotta fight over it. You got to have it. Everybody's in on this. Like this matter, but there's not. There's there's too many options for people, and so either everybody goes in on all of it, or some people do, or nobody does. So that's what makes MOBA so interesting. When you limit the options available, you get more impact in team fights and consequence for winning or losing. There's not a lot of consequence in these scenarios because there are too many options. Thank you for asking that because that hadn't quite, I hadn't quite verbalized (laughs) that thought. So I do what I can. um, Yeah. (laughs) All right. So that was crash team rumble. And then lastly, I'll keep this one short, but, Overwatch, they launched their uh, first community map. Uh, it is interesting. <laughs> no, did you get to play it yet? I, no, I, I saw the YouTube video you put out on the Gaming Trend uh, channel, and I actually looks, didn't record the gameplay for that. But yeah, it looks big, like it's huge, and it makes for especially. Um, it looks like it's a control map it just 
don't know. It looks too big. <laughs> like it looks like the the fights are kind of everywhere. Which I mean, that's a lot of Overwatch too. Is the fight? It's a lot of individual fights, but the fights look very spread out. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is everything that is happening. Yeah, the fights are very spread out. Um, even more so. And yes, it is a control map. As you can see, there's like three holes, manholes that open, huge manholes that occasionally open. Um, I'm conflicted about the map. Like the top section, I actually like. I do like the top section. I think the bottom section is useless. Like it literally does not need to be there. Um, so. If this were just a top map, I I would find it very fascinating because it is so big. Usually the fights are just so condensed, especially for control, condensed on certain sections that even it looks like a sniper kind of map, it's really not because everything is so spread out. It also exaggerates the fact that your your existence is there. So like Widow, for example, like there's been plenty of Widows I've played against on this map and people are really quick to switch to a Diva or a Winston to attack those Widows, you know, because it's like, it's so obvious they're there or the Hanzo, right? Um, and so there's these levels of like, oh, nobody, like everybody is here, but yet nobody is like on the point trying to contest it some people are standing up on the higher ground shooting down other people are fighting on the point other people are trying to flank around so it kind of it feels very interesting in that way because there was plenty of times where i would take high ground but somebody would like flank all the way around and just give me fits and everything i'm saying feels like well yeah that happens in all the control maps but because it's so wide, everything feels so exaggerated. It's yeah, like every move I make is almost kind of critical in some ways. And I, I will say this. I think it's because you have to be grouped up. And I don't mean like clustered together, but you cannot trickle in on this map. And I've seen that a lot. Like mm-hmm. people will just, woo! And it, and, you know, like other control maps are much smaller, so it doesn't take as long to get there. And, you know, but with this map, because it's so big, it takes a little bit longer to get there. You don't know where your teammate is. You got to go find them. So you trickle in on this. You're never going to take the point back. <laughs> like you have to go in either everybody flanking or everybody, you know, diving in at the something like it. it, it is all in or nothing. So. Uh, I really wish though that this would be a 10 v 10 map. Like this would be great as like Overwatch's like first big team map. Like just go. It's, it's in a custom games, right? Or is it like in the arcade? Right arcade? Is it a yeah, 6v6? It's 5v5. Huh. It's 5v5 right now. Is Are there a uh, role? Because I see two tanks. No, the, yeah, Unless there's I'm no role option. Okay, that's. I was like, I I saw a hog. Like, I shouldn't be no, seeing a hog with you. Azaria. This team right now, we're all tanks except for the okay. mercy. Everybody's okay. a tank. So yeah, okay, there, there's no roles. But that's that's kind of the fun of it. But I feel like 
I don't know if I said this on this podcast or I was just saying it on my uh, first person perspective series, but when Overwatch is either like very competitive or very absurd, like that's that's when that's- Overwatch is at its best. This mm-hmm. feels like it needs something more absurd for it to really work. And I think 10v10 would be that, like make it a big team version of Overwatch. Yes, yeah. maybe that would eliminate roles yeah. in some ways, but who kind of cares? Like it's just Do supposed you- to be nuts. Yeah, right now, just watching what I'm looking at, it looks boring. Yes. Do you think it being are... payload would have been a better uh, choice over control? Or do you think still... No, I think control is, is the way to go with this. I think payload, it would be way too concentrated because you know what you're fighting over. Like, it's this payload that you're supposed to move. So I, I don't think that would work. I think control was the right choice. What I would do, though, if it were like a bigger team version of this, I would just make it one round and it would accumulate percentage a little bit slower just so it's not too fast, like a 5v5 version. But yeah, I think this should just be as absurd as possible in terms of player count because it is so big. So you have fights going on everywhere. Like right now, it's all concentrated on this point, but then you'd have like two people up top. You'd have two people on, you know, like it'd just be nuts and that's what this needs to be because it's not quite juicy enough so i think for it to really take advantage of the top and the bottom and just the size of the map there just needs to be more players more chaos (laughs) yeah more chaos yeah absolutely makes sense It's it's a fine map I think that would be great for blizzard to actually like turn it into something useful too because it's gone may 8th so after that, it's just it's just a meme. Hey guys, remember what we did? So <laughs> that's all it becomes from that point. So, but I like that they did that. I think that was an interesting idea. I hope they do it again. All right, David, what news you got for us? As for news, uh, the really the biggest thing that hit this week, uh, there was a lot of people who speculated, at least that. It looked like everything was looking really good in the UK for for Xbox to be able to move forward with this Activision deal. Like the things were actually the the talk at least it seemed like was, oh, it's not gonna be that hard for things to go through. Well, all of a sudden the CMA drops a bombshell saying they have blocked the deal. <laughs> And it is the UK market, so it's very interesting. But right now, that means they've got the UK is against it. You've got the FTC is against it. Uh, That, obviously, I I feel like they've got a lot less of a case on it. But now we're waiting on the EU, and what will be really interesting is seeing, especially since these major markets have hit against it, if the EU isn't going to go ahead and hit against it. Um, The reason that the CMA has argued over this, actually, has been more less about Call of Duty, which is what everybody focuses on, and that it's actually more on cloud gaming, is what they're at. Is they, they, that essentially Microsoft would hold such a large share of that market that nobody else could compete. Now, there's some other talk about they. Everybody knows about the oh, they made all these deals with all these people that you'd have Call of Duty on all these other platforms. Uh, one of the things they pointed out is that. Microsoft would actually retain in these deals 100% of the revenue 
from yes, the games can be on the other platforms, but Microsoft's making a lot all the money off of it. Um <clears throat> one of the things that is being brought up is that the incentive to the CMA argued that the incentive to increase the price of Game Pass commiserate with the value enhancement of adding Activision's valuable content to it and that even a modest price increase would significantly reduce or eliminate any potential relevant customer benefits. Essentially saying in plain terms is if Microsoft has Activision stuff in there, they might raise the price and suddenly Game Pass isn't as cheap and beneficial to consumers as it was thought. Um, Now, some people believe this has completely killed the deal. I, for one, believe that it a lot depends on what the EU has to say, because if the EU does block blocks it, I think it's almost dead. Like that, I, that I would be in the ninety to ten percent. Like ten percent of me would think the deal might go through. Uh, Michael Pachter seems to think that the deal isn't dead, and that they could make some concessions, like for instance, saying, "Hey, we won't." we won't raise the price of game pass and stuff like that. But of course, part of me is like, can you guarantee that over a good period of time without raising that price when you're adding that much more? Cause we're already seeing a lot of evidence that Microsoft is already seeing that they may have went a little too hard with the whole, let's put all our first party stuff in game pass. Cause right now a lot is being proven that being able to double and triple dip on your stuff <laughs> is very valuable because we're seeing that in the movie industry right now with a lot of companies that are, oh, wait, releasing this movie in the theater, making a butt ton of money off of this, then selling it to people digitally, then selling it physically, and then getting them to subscribe to our, that is the way to do it. So the question is, is could you really get Microsoft reverse its position on any sort of price hikes? which I don't think is what they really want to do. Uh, I also have an issue with Pactor because of the fact of the dude just randomly says things. I feel like he's not saying he's completely inaccurate on everything, but he does make a lot of bold claims that are often very incorrect. Um, But the most interesting thing out of all of this is that historically the majority of CMA appeals have been unsuccessful. Like there are successes there, but it is really tough once the CMA says something to go away from it. I've seen some really funny comments, too, in chats of, well, they could just stop selling in the UK. <laughs> you what? don't just ignore. Oh, yeah, you don't. Ju- you don't just ignore an entire market. I don't care if it's smaller than other markets. You can't ignore any market as a business because people don't realize this is more than just Xbox. This is this is something else, and it's said in the end. It's very interesting. I was wondering if you all have any thoughts on all of this, especially in the sense of like, you know, where this goes because what's really interesting and I keep saying what's really interesting because there's lots of interesting pieces but if I'm remembering right as soon as July 18th comes up which I believe the EU rules around May 22nd July 18th rolls around that is when a the terms of the deal between act for Activision Blizzard can be renegotiated 
And no matter how this goes, Microsoft has to pay $3 billion to get out of it. Yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts? Should they get out of it? Like, where where are we at at this point with this? You want to speak first, Noah? Yeah. Um, okay. I'll, I'll let you uh, you cook because um, you'll probably be a lot, a lot more of a, um, fired up than me. I, I'm more curious the fact that the reason they said no was because of cloud gaming. That that part, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Oh, I um, died because uh, Jason Schreier said, uh, essentially said that he said, what's funny is Microsoft Microsoft's case with cloud gaming is that they're stronger because Stadia failed, meaning Phil Harrison still is screwing Microsoft to this day. <laughs> yep. Because Stadia didn't make it, and now Microsoft yeah. has position <laughs> yeah like i don't know i th- i think the deal should have gone through i i was kind of surprised that it didn't um my biggest curiosity is to see i don't know how because it sounds like activision is not happy at all so i'm curious to see they're obviously like you said they're not going to stop selling you know in the uk i'm curious to see what repercussions they come up with because you know from the statements that you know they've put out they're not happy um so yeah i'm i'm more on the i still think it should have gone through i don't see why it didn't um i i'm more so i don't think this is over and i'm kind of just i've gone to the concession stand and got my second bag of popcorn and I'm going back to my seat to see, you know, how the 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 sequel plays out because I I don't think this is over. I think Microsoft's gonna, I guess, continue on with trying to uh, acquire. Uh, to help the, uh, I can tell you why the CMA thought cloud gaming was a problem. They think it's the future, so they they believe. The CMA believes, and I believe this was, I'm not going to quote it, but I'm a paraphrase. They believe cloud gaming could be, you know, the thing that gets rid of consoles, right? Um, So they think it has like that kind of appeal in the future. And they think that future is closer than what most of us would believe that future is. They've been listening to Michael Pactor. (laughs) (laughs) So... Console's going to get vaulted. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this uh, Microsoft owns, I believe, 60% to 70% of like the cloud gaming dominance. And then NVIDIA GeForce Now is like the only other cloud gaming service available on the market. And so the CMA is looking at it going, well, if they get Call of Duty... If you're making well, all the money, everybody's gonna go to Microsoft and Xbox to to play Call of Duty on the cloud. Of course, they are not completely considering that most people play Call of Duty on multiplayer, and playing multiplayer Call of Duty would be abysmal on the cloud. Agreed. So th- they miss take that point, but it's it's about market dominance for them. It's not about consumer usage. <laughs> it's about market dominance. And so they do have a point there. They would absolutely dominate the market. However, where I think the CMA 
misses it, and I think Microsoft still has a chance, is if GeForce Now, NVIDIA, decided to gain exclusive rights to cloud game PlayStation games. Because PlayStation, I mean, yes, they have, the, they, they kind of have a cloud, they have a subscription service. They don't really have a cloud service. But let's, let's just say, let's just say, hypothetically, they got rights to stream PlayStation games on the cloud. PlayStation gets revenue from it and all that. My, that's that's Microsoft's case. Like the competition currently on the market, just because they would get Call of Duty and have those games able to be played through the cloud, does not mean they literally own the market because they don't. Nvidia could get exclusive rights to Ubisoft games to stream on the cloud, for example. You know, it is a, a, now. I will say this, Microsoft's got more money than NVIDIA. Both yep. are in the S&P 500, okay? We get that. But Microsoft overall has more money than NVIDIA. So, CMA could be looking at that. Just trying to just trying to say fair and Microsoft could literally just take losses in order to further themselves in a certain area. Yeah. Exactly. They can outlast so, the competition. That's the, the word I'm looking right. for. Right. So... I feel like Microsoft's only win here, potentially, is the fact that they literally wouldn't own the market in terms of what is available uh, on competing cloud services. The other part is, is there's just not a lot of competing cloud services. Google Stadia failed for a variety of reasons. Um, and it was the strongest competitor in that it was, market. Yeah, it, it was the strongest. I would say it could have been the strongest. I don't think it had reached the heights that it could have. Yeah. Um, for again, variety of reasons, management being one of them. But now that there's only two, like David said, you know, it actually kind of hurt Microsoft <laughs> when Google Stadia died because yep. now there's only two left and NVIDIA as, as, as much money as they got, they don't seem to be invested in their cloud gaming yep. service in the same way that Microsoft is. And so in terms of business models and business strategies, Microsoft is, seems to be the only one that's all in on cloud gaming in the way that they are doing it as and, a way to viably play video games in the future. And that's probably hurting them as well because all those efforts are seen. Yes, like we're seeing them right now. You play, you know, when Redfall comes out, you could technically play it, just cloud stream it and go. It would suck, but you could do it. And that's that's what the yep. CMA is is concerned about. So I I feel like the only uh besides Microsoft, if somebody else wanted to compete, the only way they could compete is by having a better cloud streaming service. So maybe they don't have a lot of games, but their service is functionally better than Microsoft's, which that would be very difficult because it's Microsoft and their Azure service is already going pretty yep. strong. One of the top in the market. I, I kind of sit on it with the thought of, I think Microsoft is going to fight this. I think it's going to get drawn out. I think that they should not fight it. I think that I like I'm at that point of I think 
fighting this long term, I understand why. I understand you want to be able to assert yourself. I understand the position that it puts you in to have this. Obviously, it hurts you because you lose this case. It makes it real hard for you or anyone at that point to ever go after any publisher. It's not just this isn't just a battle for Activision. And part of their problem is they went after the biggest third party publisher <laughs> that was out. I was going to ask if I you mean, think that's this was EA, like, yeah. would it have gone through? It would easier? not be. Yeah. Yes. Uh, ten yeah, times. Like, the, every other publisher on the market, it would have been easier. Uh, like, even it would have even yes. Even Take Two. I'll even put Take Two out there, it would have been easier. <laughs> yeah. Not Activision. <laughs> Activision made the, going after the biggest person made this harder. What makes this worse is that if you keep fighting this, that's less time that you can spend with your current studios fixing problems that you already have. Your focus is on them. You can't go and acquire anybody else because you don't want to be seen in a more negative light while you're fighting this. Meaning you're losing the opportunity where Sony or somebody else can swoop in and purchase these people and grab these people up. You, uh, and again, $70 billion that you could use elsewhere to improve your management in your studios, to put towards Game Pass deals, to put towards third-party deals, to put towards all these things, you are putting it into this. And that's, it's not just that, because obviously there's more money in the court costs you're going to be putting into this. I feel like it hurts Microsoft in the long run because we already are looking at a, they are seriously in danger of another generation where they lose a hold. Like they, they started 2020, we were in 2021, Halo was out. We were like, man, Microsoft is finally making a comeback, everything. And nothing's as bad as the Xbox One. That was by far the low bar. But they're in danger of being closer to that than they are 360 if they don't get certain things fixed. And when you're, all your focus is on this and you're trying to make sure that you don't make any moves to hurt yourself <laughs> then it you're you're hurting yourself anyway so it's it's just one of those things you, you're letting the competition have time because i mean at this point if you're sony you're sitting back and you're like you know what it wasn't even our arguments that did anything here <laughs> it was a whole nother thing that helped arguments. us out here like, uh, again, if my dumb arguments work, I'm using them all day. Like, it's just like, it's just like cheesing a certain gun in a, in Call of Duty. Like, if that gun keeps working, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> uh, but at this point, Sony's got to be sitting there and like, sweet, you know, we've just sat here and argued. We've let our studios build their games. They're having issues with their first party and they're spending all their time in court right now. Supposedly, they are getting a humongous showcase together before E3 that is, uh, at least in some of the things that I have heard, is going to blow us all away. Like, th this is going to be the God of War Horizon Zero Dawn Spider-Man announcement E3 that, was, that, that everyone could not believe. Like, that's the levels they're looking to hit, which it's very... 
it makes sense when you consider we truly know don't know anything beyond Spider-Man and Wolverine of what Sony is making right now. Like you can guess, there's some very educated guesses, but there's a lot that Sony has that they can put out. If Xbox does not like cannot get start start to deliver on different aspects, which obviously we we know Starfield that I've said it before, they're super important is the most important game they're going to release. It feels like in this point, if you do not hit with some stuff like, and that we're, we're going to talk about Redfall in a second and all the bad, they're just, it feels like bad press after bad press after bad press. You, you can't get a hold of an Xbox right now because they're having supply issues. They even alluded to that in their, uh, in their earnings. Hardware was down 30%. Like game pass was up though. <laughs> yeah. The thing that's keeping them from being able to buy Activision. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Well, and the, whole, here's like, here's the thing we they say yeah percent you know overall so yeah so it, it, which obviously they they do a lot more Xbox does not make them money compared to everything else they do no 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 um, Xbox in all fairness they were looking to squash Xbox <laughs> at one point from what I understand when uh, Nadella came aboard because uh, it just wasn't seen as viable but it's just that thing of when you have to separate your focus out so much, it keeps you from being able to make right moves. And I feel like it's really hurting Microsoft. And I feel like that there's somebody who said that this could drag out as long as three years. It is Oof. not worth my time to be drug out for three years on something. Because all, because right now my competition is kicking my butt. Uh, PlayStation's earnings are going to be announced tonight. And the rumor, like everybody heard them say their number for the last quarter was like six point something million consoles sold. Everybody laughed. It looks like they hit it because <laughs> PlayStations are flying off shelves. The games have hit perfectly. You have a real problem when in Europe, <laughs> PlayStation's up 500%. And you just did your earnings and your consoles are down 30%. That means everybody went out and bought. And there weren't a bunch of exclusive games that came out. Everybody went and bought Hogwarts Legacy on a PlayStation. <laughs> Admittedly, they had marketing. It was, they, Jim Ryan and Sony are smart. No they know what to attach themselves to. We talked about this already. But... <sighs> They are Xbox. If they get drug into this for an ex even more extended, it, I'm already tired of hearing about all of this. It's been what uh, it feels. It feels like it's been two years. I think it's just been a, it's been a year. decade. But. <laughs> but if you get drug into this for years, it is going to hurt your business, and it's not going to be worth the seventy billion dollars that it costs you. It's not going to be worth a dime of it. Because we're going to be into next gen by the time you finally can put Call of Duty on Game Pass. <laughs> right. <laughs> I will say uh, Microsoft probably has one argument <coughs> or another argument they can make against the CMA. And that is the argument that cloud gaming is not the immediate future at all. Yeah. Um, if they can make an argument that. It's still a long ways out, and even though they have a decent service, you know, 
I mean, they they can admit without, you know, making the whole thing sound bad. But, you know, it's like it's not where it needs to be. Yep. I I guess the biggest thing is why haven't they already made that argument good enough by now? Because I would imagine that's been a big part of it. We haven't heard anything. We haven't heard very much arguments about from them about cloud gaming in the first place. It's all being called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The only thing I'm very interested in is they were pretty sassy in their response to the UK. And the only bad thing is when you start getting like spicy. When when you start (laughs) talking that way, Xbox, Xbox, Xbox was really spicy too. I mean, literally said more or less that the UK was closed for business. Like I thought that was Activision. When, no, that was That's actually that was actually Xbox. I think okay. that said that. Okay. But when you start saying stuff like that, don't encourage people to make spiteful <laughs> decisions <laughs> in an office because they just sit there. Oh, we closed for business, are we? <laughs> if I'm sitting there in the CMA. Well, the 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 snark behind that yeah. is is that the UK has not been receptive of yeah. tech sector type of businesses, yeah. And so Microsoft is like, well, you guys say you want to have business from tech yeah. and all that, but y'all ain't making the moves, so I guess you're closed for business. Yeah, you just got to be careful in biting the hand that signs the contract. I, I, I agree. I agree. I'm, so, I agree. Yeah. Um, it's it's a very interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's a very interesting thing. Like this, this is the actual most interesting news we've had on this in a while because it's been a lot of as we've talked about dumb arguments. So this <laughs> is this has been the most interesting part of it, especially considering this their real big thing was cloud gaming. So I feel like FTC, they're more on the thing of we don't want big tech buying up everything. Uh, and I get it. You're looking for the whole thing of precedent of, oh, if we let somebody buy a seven, the biggest third-party publisher on the market, what stops everybody else from buying every other one? Like I, I get the ideas of it, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And unfortunately, it's not over. Yeah. <laughs> nope. So we've talked about that long enough. Moving on to something closer to us, uh, Redfall coming out May 2nd. We know that that one's coming right outside, and uh, we know the sad news that it is going not going to have a performance mode at launch. Well, it has been seen that printed on the back of the cover, it says 60 frames per second. So somebody, when they were making the... I'm guessing that somebody thought that was going to be available at launch. And then it was like, wait a second, it's not. There's a sticker. We don't know if it is from Xbox. We do not know if this is a retailer sticker to kind of do the whole, you know, here's your sign kind of thing. <laughs> Of, you know, the fact that you shouldn't use a hairdryer while sleeping. Uh, (laughs) It's 60 frame per second performance mode not available at launch. Yeah, that's what the sticker says. Yep, That's literally what the sticker says. And that uh, it's not necessarily newsworthy in the sense of I don't know that there's a lot we can say about it. It's just more the thing of 
I don't know that we've ever had something like this happen. <laughs> I at least can't think of... I've seen labels on things before, but I don't remember a label on a game that was like, by the way, this feature isn't available yet. So so are they putting the sticker on... So from what I saw, it's like the retailer was having to put the sticker over the game, right? Yeah, so they they got it, like I said, we're, we don't and know if it is... We don't know if this rack. is the publisher okay. where they sent it from the factory or if it's the retailer that did it. Okay, because yeah. my thought process is, I mean... Once you shrink wrap, you know, once you cut that open, it's going to be there anyways. Like, yeah. Well, at that point, it's the whole idea of as soon as you open the product, you are accepting the product as is, I'm guessing. Yeah. Like as soon as I have removed the, that label, that means I understand. Just funny, man. That's so funny. It's, it's just a thing of geez. (laughs) Like, That means this, what that tells me is that means they thought this was going to have that performance mode. Because that's not something. Yeah, these were it would not be printed. Beforehand. Yeah, yeah it would not they, be printed. And they were advertising it as a feature. And they, and this isn't something that they come up, you know, with a couple of months before release. This has been, they've been designing that artwork. I mean, when you, when you start printing this, I mean, you, it, it maybe a month. I'd say a month. I think they've had that the cover and layout for their well, stuff before. I just uh, mean that you would have the layout, but printing. I, I'm yeah. getting like more in printing. Like you could go back and just say, "Hey, emergency, push this through." But mm-hmm. this means that, like, this means that that we don't have the mode came in at the last. Like when they announced it, that was when they knew. That's what that tells me. That w- crap, yeah, we're not going to be able yeah. to. We're not going to be able to make this happen because at that oh, point, yeah. this was already printed. That well, yeah, that was obvious when they announced it. Yeah, um, you just you don't make that kind of announcement, you know, when you yep. already know well beforehand. Um, that is a well. By the time this goes gold, uh, yeah, we're we're yeah. Sorry, yeah. guys, but it's just a. It, I just can't think of another time where a disclaimer like that was on a video game. I feel like there was. I, I'm sure game. there's been something, but like. <laughs> I don't remember I, us ever have to do anything like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, I'm not saying this is true. I just I feel like there was, but I, yeah. I'm probably wrong. No, nothing in recent memory, uh, at yeah. least, with something like this. Agreed. And, and it's just one of those things of man. Games are so reliant on patches, <laughs> <laughs> like the the fact that. Like even Star Wars, uh, the the game is not fully on the disc, right? With Jedi, <laughs> like part of it is, but like you have to download the rest of it. Uh, obviously, Call of Duty, we know that's a, just straight up a coaster. <laughs> uh, you install your game and that's it. <laughs> my my PS Five so, got heavier after installing <clears throat> Call of Duty. That's how big of a like, file that thing. The the, <laughs> the physical the physical market it's become like you can ask. Myself and Noah, we loved the we love the physical market. We love having the physical discs and all that. the The market itself has made us like obviously writing about games and stuff. I'm gonna take the free code over going and paying sixty bucks for a disc. Like I that's just the way it works. Since Rayman Legends, honestly, I can't remember the last time I got a disc just because of the last couple collectors. Actually, I could tell you probably. It's probably Marvel's Avengers. 
because the game came with a disc. Where was uh, the collector's edition? Uh, the I buy collector's editions, and like the last couple collectors I've gotten have not had discs; they've had codes. Yep, right. So, which I'm very 2011 with my so, yeah, no, it's, Green Man. So, like I said, it's is kind of the the whole the physical market has caused me to not want to buy physical uh, unless it's a Nintendo yep. game. I have no reason to buy physical. And even, even when like, Nintendo games. Yeah. But at least most Nintendo, like, for instance, Zelda, like, all, I forget which one it was, but one, or if it was Zelda or something else, but it was like, it would, you'd have to download the full game, but if you had the cartridge, you wouldn't have to download anything. Mm-hmm. And I think it might have been Zelda, and we used to talk to people about it, it was like, hey, buy the physical with us, because it's going to load up half your switch if you, that's what it was i think actually all of uh, zelda was on the cartridge yep for breath of the wild and otherwise it was like it would literally take up your entire switch's memory you'd have to like get you'd a have memory to, card yeah yep. you'd have to get a memory card for anything else because it, it literally would take up if you downloaded the game the entire memory of it so we that used to be our argument i mean obviously we were gamestop people we were look we were getting I pushed mean, to attach everything we could and all that, and obviously digital was killing our business at that point, but now physical just doesn't really matter because my disc isn't actually anything beyond a download code now. Helped to sell a lot of SD cards, though. (laughs) (laughs) Sold a ton of those. SanDisk is happy. Yep. But uh, we went a long ways from 60 FPS to the digital market, so... (laughs) But... All interesting stuff with the way that software is going. Uh, we're going to be have some really interesting stuff when it comes to software from Nintendo, I would assume, because after a four-year absence, Nintendo is coming to Gamescom. This is okay. going to be the first major show that Nintendo has actually been at since... Or for just a while in general. When is Gamescom? Uh, Gamescom is usually in August, from what I remember. Yes, right. it's in it's in August. Right. Okay. So the interesting thing about Nintendo attending Gamescom is that Nintendo does not have any titles currently that exist outside of uh, July. So what you're trying to say is is that Nintendo must have something really awesome to show off or they would not be attending Gamescom. I agree. Because uh Mario versus Rabbit enough. <laughs> uh cuz Tears of the Kingdom will have been out for a while. Pikmin 4 will have already been I you don't attend a you don't attend a big thing to show off uh Pikmin 4 that just came out a month ago. <laughs> you do if you have a statue to show off of Olimar. There you go. In any case, you have to at least wonder, is there a chance that we see new hardware at Gamescom? There's always a chance. It just, the chance feels higher this time because they don't have anything announced. Like, we legitly, we legit have nothing announced when it comes to new software. Beyond Pikmin. The question is, would Gamescom be the place to announce new hardware? And Gamescom why would you is have, one of the... Why would ahead. you have to go to Gamescom to do that? Well, it it is one of the biggest conventions that exist. 
Sure. But in terms of reach, they've been fine doing everything online. Literally everything has been online. So maybe they're going to do an, maybe they're going to actually do a direct there, show it off. And then people at Gamescom actually get to try it and mess around with it. That would be my thought. Yep. Because that's the only other reason why I I would do that. Um, And Keeley is doing opening night live. So you never know. He likes those exclusives, that's for sure. Um, Yeah. And he he has revealed new hardware before. That's where we first saw the Series X. That's true. Not not Gamescom, but the Game Awards. But he he gets that stuff. (laughs) I'm not saying that he would be the event... But who knows? Maybe he right. would be the precursor. Maybe he would be the tease to, hey, there's a direct coming. Well, it, mm, tomorrow, because <laughs> he's I, he has teased stuff at his events that were happening directly afterwards. Especially if like, this kicks off Gamescom. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I'm not uh, saying for sure. I'm just I'm throwing uh, I'm throwing uh, out a lot of theories here. Yeah. I, <laughs> like to pick things apart so I, yeah i i see nintendo more doing their own thing and then having someone actually touch the thing at gamescom than then showing it at keely or announcing a showcase at keely then doing a show then doing that like I, I do see it more likely that nintendo does a direct shows off the thing and says hey come check it out at gamescom that makes more sense to me that is the only scenario where I imagine Nintendo has new hardware yep. just to show it off. Yeah. Otherwise, well, no. Yep. They could it's, have this scenario. They could have, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't think this would be the case, but Mario Odyssey 2. And they're like, hey, play this. What do you I guys could. think? So it could be a game or games. That they want people to play. Nintendo has done that before. They are probably one of the only... Eh, yeah. I would say PlayStation doesn't let people play stuff as early anymore. All right. Uh, PlayStation remember, just doesn't attend events a lot at this point. Yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah. that's more what it is at this point. Yeah, neither does Nintendo. But Nintendo does tend to yep. bring demos with them yeah. when they do go places. They like seeing people's reactions. It's a, I feel like that's a big thing for Nintendo. Yep. And Shigeru Miyamoto in particular. He likes to see like what's yep. what's making people tick. So it could be games. Just could games be. that they're like, hey, we got Switches here. Play them. Yep. And it very nice well could it be. Hardware, and it though. probably will be. It's just intriguing when it's been four years since you've done anything at that show. Which admittedly, again... We had pandemic and stuff, so that was part of it. But but Gamescom mm. was in person last year, and they weren't there, so. No, no. We'll see. And, and the other thing, of course, is just they've not announced any. There's nothing this year. That's that's where it's interesting is we don't have no video games coming from Nintendo in the second half of this year be beyond Pikmin. So. Yeah, I don't know how they play that one because August it's, is... August is far enough out past, you know, Breath or Tears of the Kingdom and Pikmin 
to the point where it's like, all right, what are you guys yeah. doing? And next? it's and it's so, end of August. Like this, it's right. 22nd, 20 through it's the 22nd is when it starts. So, right. So I, you know, I, tears of the kingdom. I, I think I mean, you'll have it there, it. but people will, that's there. You're not, you don't spend all that money to show that off. That's, that's more what I'm getting at. It's a, it's a compliment to what you already have there. No, but what I'm saying is tears of the kingdom comes out May 12th. Pikmin comes out. When does it it's, come out? June? It's either early. I think it was early July, early July. or late July. One of them. So, I mean, it, it is close enough, but sure. But as big as tears of the kingdom will be as much as people will love it. I'm not sure it will hold the same headline cadence as Elden ring did. I think yeah. part of that was Elden ring was an anomaly in terms of like, how it hit like people didn't expect it to be what it was and for the uh, for the amount of different kinds of people who didn't play souls games before it hit right tears of the kingdom we know what it is people are gonna love it they're gonna show off their stuff headline wise though i don't know how long it stays in the headlines so then you have empty space pikmin 4 comes out that's not gonna hold headlines for a week not at all so then you have nothing yep. for a while. So then it's like, okay, like people are going to be busy with Tears of the Kingdom still, but people are going to be thinking about, all right, what's next for Nintendo? Yep. So that's a long time to wait. So I wonder if they do have anything in between Tears of the Kingdom and Gamescom that people can get excited for, for Gamescom, and then that pushes into you know whatever they're going to do at Gamescom. Well, and didn't Nintendo of course confirmed here's what they said they confirmed that they wouldn't be a part of E3. But from what I remember hearing it's because they didn't feel like they had any games. Like they didn't feel like they had anything to show. That was more the reason that they weren't going to be there if I'm remembering right from what I remember. So either hearing. they're lying or, or you know, that was their excuse. Or uh, maybe, they, maybe, maybe they don't. And then they're, yeah. they're just well, then, yeah, then I don't know what they would be there for. Yep. If they really or don't. Or you're getting ready to show something off real big. But it just was too early. Like June yep. was June too was just too early. Yeah. Like I said, I don't. Mm. I don't know. I'm just. I'm just spitballing but you know if you're going to be doing a big show like gamescom especially when you don't have anything pre-announced and you aren't at any other events it's just very interesting um there's also let me see here they're also having that nintendo live did you see this in 2023 so in September, they are doing a fan event in person oh, yeah, in, in Seattle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like that's after Gamescom. So there's going to be some stuff announced that fans are going to get their hands on. <laughs> so, it, all right, games. it's just <laughs> it, I know they've got Hard games or they've got awesome. a or they've got a new console to let people touch. Here's if it's a new console though, they have to have games though. 
Oh yeah, well you'll have you'll have games. Well, that's not entirely true because they may not be ready, right? So even they announce a new console, by the time the fan event comes around, there may not be a game to play on it. Yeah. Um. Could be. It could be. But that'd be that'd be really interesting to have that whole thing go down. So it'll it'll be very interesting to see how they approach all of it. Uh, I because I very much think that's part of the reason we haven't seen the next Mario. Uh, obviously, I think Metroid Prime Four is going to be on there. I could see Metroid Prime Four completely skipping the Switch at this point. I don't even know if it was fully that's announced. What, more that's than a logo, a Gamescom, just Metroid Prime Four. <laughs> <laughs> Never know. Everybody will play it, but. Eh, if you're in, if they are invested to put money into something like that, it's just it. It always makes it interesting as to what does that mean we're seeing. So who knows how big the booth is? Maybe it's just a little tent. <laughs> a little tent there. revealing yeah, Mario Odyssey three. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't reveal Mario Odyssey three, it's, it's a wasted two. wasted My- investment. <laughs> it grew so Mario big, it, it it grew out of being two, so now it's three. <laughs> yeah, I don't want. No, I want to skip two straight to three. That's all. I want, <laughs> I want Mario Odyssey, Mario Odyssey the pre sequel. Just go the Borderlands route. <laughs> there Just, you go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. That's it for the news. That's it for the news. All right. Well. That was a good. That was a good. This was fun. Fantastic podcast. Lots of lots of good games we talked about. So, um, all right. So we'll be back next week. I can guarantee we will be talking about. Uh, can I say that? I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> yep. We'll <laughs> be talking that. about things that'll be a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll yes. say that. Things yep. and places and the fun stuff. Yes. So. All right. That's that's it. We'll talk to you next week. Deuces. Peace.